0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Greatest Games on the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, with me of course is Jonathan Wilson and with us this week we have Carl Wurzwick, British journalist based in Bogota, dedicated to Colombian football, contributor to World Soccer Magazine, The Guardian, The Blizzard and many, many more. Carl, a pleasure to have you on the podcast.
1: A pleasure to be here, Marcus. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thank you very much um, We're going back to the 5th of September 1993 here To the Monumental Stadium in Buenos Aires For a World Cup qualifier That ended Argentina nil, Colombia 5 Carl, why have you chosen this game?
1: Well um, I'm coming up to uh, My 10 year anniversary Living in Colombia A few days shy of that And in my time here It's been a constant presence um, you just have to say 5 nil, and everybody knows what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> the fact it was against Argentina uh, was significant because Colombia had long uh, lived under their shadow. Uh, and for me, it was more everything that went on around the game, not just on the pitch, but all the socio-economic developments and how that game um, quickly I got out of control. And um, yeah, and a personal story from when I was 11 or 12 years old. Um, I hated English, weirdly. And in my class, um, I had an English teacher who was a big football fan. I think in a in a, in a way, he wanted to try and engage me by talking about football because at that age, I was yeah, just getting into football yeah. properly. And at the end of the class, I remember him telling me about um, this game I, th- I mean, I think I remember it wrongly, because he... I, I remember that he had said that um, he was at the game, but that must have been true. Was. <laughs> it was September 5th, He would he would have been teaching class. So it might have been that he had a friend who was at the game, but from that... Um I, the, the following summer, I put a bet on Columbia £10, which is a lot for an 11 year old, mm. to win the World Cup. And I was swanning around school saying, You'll see. <laughs> You'll see how good they are. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so maybe there's a bit of an unfinished business there. And yeah, yeah that's when I came back to Colombia many, many years later, um, it was always there at the back of my head.
0: Mm. Of course, after that World Cup, it was you and Pele that had egg on your faces. Having uh, tipped Colombia <laughs> yeah. to do so, well. I mean, I'm I'm delighted you've chosen this game, Carl, uh, because uh, again, I have a vague memory. I'm very aware of it, of course, in subsequent years of, of what an important game it is um, in it, obviously for in, in Colombian history, but also in Argentinian as well. But it's one of those ones where. I didn't know that much about the detail, really. You know it was a thumping. You've maybe seen one or two of the goals. And my goodness, if you haven't, ladies and gentlemen, do go and check some of those goals out. But we'll get to that in the second half. But some of the stories and the detail, the nonsense Jonathan surrounded this game, I mean, it is, it is just wonderful stuff.
2: Oh, and it, it's why people like me sort of um, love writing about South American football, love working in South American football, <laughs> and also why I couldn't, you know, I tried living in Argentina, I couldn't do it. <laughs> 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 Just wasn't strong enough for the chaos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all, all the sort of side issues, the yeah the you know, the, the, you know, the issues when Colombia landed at the airport and they're getting attacked by Argentinian fans, and they even get the, the stadium the day of the game, and they find the stadium locked so that. Argentina fans are all around the bus and hammering on the side of the bus. All that craziness, and you know, we, we talked about this game in passing when we did the Argentina Romania game from the '94 World Cup with with Rory Smith. And and so what we won't won't talk about much here is where it sits in the Maradona story. That Maradona's been serving his drugs ban. Um, he he's still facing drugs charges in the Argentinian courts at this point, and he's at the stadium. And the fans suddenly start chanting his name because they want him back. And is after this game, he sort of says, Well, you know, I might be available. And of course, obviously, we're forced into a playoff for the World Cup, 12 the World Cup, because of this. And he, he does turn out in that that playoff, paving the way for what happens in the 94 World Cup when he fails another drugs mm. test. So, you know, I, I sort of knew about this game from a Maradona-Argentina angle, but it, it's from a Colombia angle, it's fascinating. And I, I think there's. Uh, you know, perhaps the greatest coach about whom we know the least in Europe is Colombia's coach here, it's Francesco Maturana, who I think mm. is massively important. And, and it, just a, an astonishing story to, to do what he did from from where he came from with, with so little experience, a little background, and, and how he turned Colombia into a team that people genuinely thought had a chance of winning the World Cup.
0: Yeah. Well, Carl, he was in charge, of course, in the 1990 World Cup when Colombia had turned up and, and done pretty well. They got through a, a difficult group um, and it, unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the René Higuita and, and Roger Miller incident uh, it, it put them out. Um, but but he was uh, a coach that gave them perhaps an identity and, and dragged them up a bit where they'd previously kind of failed or hadn't really got going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um he'd only started his managerial career properly in 1986. And by 1987, he was Columbia manager. And they mm. gave him the role um, provisionally for the Olympic qualifiers for Seoul, 88. And he did quite well. So they gave it him uh, full time. Uh, but yeah, I think he, he's so, so important for Columbia's football history. Because up until then, I Columbia had gone 28 years without qualifying for a World Cup. And when I spoke to Matsonan for the Blizzard, he said, "You can't imagine what it's like having to watch a World Cup and having to support Argentina, Brazil, or one of the other South American countries. You're not there in such a huge um, uh, football uh, culture." And so, um, yeah, he got them to that World Cup via a playoff against Israel, and the guy who scored, he then doesn't pick, Um, but there's, there's very, very little expectations despite Columbia doing really well at um, the Cup on America. And then they go on a tour of uh, for the Stanley Rose Cup. They played Scotland, they played England. Uh, Jonathan will like this. Uh, one, <laughs> one of the English journalists, after they draw 1-1 with England, uh, says that, this team reminds me of Hungary the nineteen fifties. <laughs> <laughs> <So>, sure, <laughs> it wasn't Jonathan. <laughs> it might have been Jonathan. Good point. I haven't. Heard. <laughs> uh, and then they beat, they beat Finland in, in Finland, and I think that sort of um, solidified Maturana's uh, idea and what, what he'd done so well. He, he just plucked ideas from all over the show. He'd um, he played on the who was this Estudiantes coach? Who then came over to to Colombia in the early seventies? Slightly, I mean, Jonathan knows more about this than me, but I, I think he was slightly forced out of Argentina because of his uh, his way of playing football. It wasn't uh, the prettiest.
2: Yeah, so, so his style with the Studiantes, they they win the Libertadores three times in a row. That's sort of the the real anti football. It's very cynical. It's very physical. It's by whatever means necessary. It's a, yeah you know, carlos Bilardo supposedly took pins on the pitch to stab opponents all that kind of stuff and eventually by the early 70s the, the government not 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 the fa the government <laughs> have started to say ah you know what i'm not sure this is great for argentina's image and there's the famous game against milan in the intercontinental where it was just a bloodbath i mean you yeah, um what's his name combine the 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 milan defender has his jaw broken there's blood all over it was yes the white milan shirt blood all over his shirt and as he stretched it off he, I mean, it's, it's, shouldn't laugh really um, but he, as, he's, as he's getting stretched off with a broken jaw he gets arrested um, because he was of Argentinian descent and he hadn't done his military service because oh, he hadn't lived in Argentina which seems pretty reasonable <laughs> uh, and, and this was eventually I think there's three players were jailed off the back of that game three three Estudiantes players so yeah Zubaldia having been enormously popular sort of mid to late 60s his star has fallen by the early 70s so he sort of leaves Argentina under a bit of a cloud but what's amazing to me is that Maturana although he takes certain tactical elements his his approach to football in in terms of spirit in terms of the morality of how he played if you like is totally different Mm.
1: yeah although it's more Maturana says it was more the um the preparation because Colombia in the 1970s they hadn't achieved anything. and so it was more how he trained players, the professional I- I- um, idea of what a footballer should be. Because previous to that, they had one training session in the morning and then they'd all go out and do whatever they wanted. He, sort of a Wenger figure, I suppose, um, started talking to them about their diet and things like that. And then another manager who, um, Zubadillo's um, pupil, Bilada, comes over to Colombia, actually manages Colombia, and Deportivo Cali, and he takes ideas from him as well. ...on that idea of professionalising the sport... ...but it's it's mainly um, in in the early 80s when he hangs up his boots... ...he was a decent player but never really uh, played for Colombia or abroad... Um, ...and then he takes the idea from a couple of Uruguayan coaches... ...who had been studying um, what had been happening with Dutch football... ...and that's where he starts to um, mould these ideas of um, total football... ...I suppose, with um, the Colombian identity... And he bases his 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 Colombia team on who he was managing, Atletico Nacional, who were the biggest team then. Uh, I'm sure we'll go into the if you may, if you wanted some drug stories that, that don't involve Maradona, there are quite a few that come from Colombia's side. Um but yeah they become so so big in Colombia. Um and the shadow of Pablo Escobar um helped that, I'm sure. Um and he uses them as a base. Now he, he would say, Look, I'm I'm training with them four or five times a week so it makes sense the base take like Ajax did with Holland but that opens up some pretty um, ugly wounds in a country that's so re- uh, regionalistic as Colombia later when all the press get on his back for picking his favourite players from where, the region that he's from and and, favorite, and favorite in, uh, the favouritism of um, Atletico Nacional players but yeah he was massively massively important um, and I, well, I
2: think that point you make about him fusing the ideas of total football with what was appropriate to Colombia, I think that's the really fascinating thing. Because he, he moves from a man-marking system to a zonal marking system, which is, mm-hmm. you know, that's the profound stage every country has to go through at some point. And he takes Colombia through that. But whereas you normally think of zonal marking as requiring enormous physical effort, you think of the tremendous pressing of the Dutch teams or Lobanovsky's teams, he finds a way of doing it where you don't have to do that. And you know that interview you did with him, and, and I'd urge everybody to, to look that interview because you know, it's a brilliant interview. He's obviously a brilliant talker and you know he he says kind of you know it's a, just a fascinating thing to read as a man setting out what what he's you know the philosophy he's sort of um, he's drawn up as his career went on, how he imposed that. Uh, but it, the point he makes is the way he used it, it meant you had to run less because it meant you understood your position better. so you weren't having to run. and that's how he got people like Valderrama and, and Aspir. to to buy into it the other thing is he's a dentist I
1: was just about to mention that yeah so he he was like a sponge he was soaking up all these ideas from the classroom and he he started off his managerial career um being a dentist in the morning and then yeah running training sessions so all the all these players would come for (laughs) for for appointments and so yeah he 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 was looking to learn from all different um parts of, uh, of society was it I mean,
2: look, th- t- tell me if i 'm wrong here, but is it is it significant at all that he's black i mean is that unusual for for, for colombians Col- you know, colombian managers to be black or was that also kind of an unusual thing in the eighties
1: um no not not too i mean in the eighties yeah the, these days there are a few but the yeah the, the minority um so <laughs> no that that also is, is quite important that he came, he comes from choco, which is the, by far and away the poorest area of of um colombia um so he, he didn't really have any anyone to 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 give him a, a a hand up in in life and he yeah he just built it from from scratch now the, there's another uh really famous colombian manager he's probably the most famous of all the most successful of all time gabriel ocho and he was also a doctor so there's something there um but <laughs> well, bilado was a gynecologist of course that- so
0: well, they, they've got all bases covered, <laughs> you <know. laughs> if you will. Um, yeah, together. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Um, I mean, yeah, the extraordinary man, Maturana. Um, and, and of course, his assistant, um, uh, Hernan Dario Gomez, was was a key man as well in this. Or Bolio, it was his nickname.
1: Bolio's his nickname, which means the, um, a policeman's truncheon.
0: Yeah, because, do
1: <laughs> yeah. He he was uh, very different to Maslow and I. They uh-huh. both came from the same area of Colombia, but they always worked together and they were really good friends. Um, they used to even sleep in the same bed sometimes before big Colombia games because he would always pop round to his hotel. Room. Is that where he got his nickname his... from?
0: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: no, I, I think he... It, no, it's, I wish he was, but uh, no. It was, um, <laughs> it, it was something to do. He arrived at training one day and he had a big uh, he he'd been in a fight the night before. Okay. That, that is his personality, he was very um abrasive. Uh he was the uh he was more of a, def- a very defensive coach. Um but they worked together really well. Um mm. bad cup, good cup, I suppose. Um and they'd always worked together. And um there were times where Maturana was the the head coach and Balia was his assistant, and then other times where um, that was was reversed um, but they were constantly in touch and sadly um, after all this um, ended in disaster 1994 World Cup Colombia kept going back to both of them for a good 15 years afterwards I mean Bolillo was last manager in 2011 um, so it was something that they couldn't get over they kept going back to either Maturana who would of course in 2001 go on to win the Copa America with them or Bolillo um,
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, a number of people listening to this, like myself, would have, I know you're going to probably roll your eyes at this guy, but you know, you're aware of the history of of Colombia now with programmes like Narcos on on Netflix and so on, and and aware of what was going on. A very different country then to what it is now, Uh, thank goodness. You've mentioned a bit of the sort of political turmoil and the social turmoil. How important was this football team? Um, going into this qualifying for World Cup 94 was this football team you mentioned Colombia being very regionalistic as well was it a was it a team that that people wanted to try and unify the the, the nation or would that sort of subsequently happen after this result?
1: To this day I think it's the only sort of glue that Mm -hmm. uh, brings the, the country together and sadly when things are going well it's fantastic and everybody buys into it. And people who don't even really like football put on the shirt and watch the game. Um, even if it's a friendly, uh, women's football, um, the, your local shop will have it on in the back. Um, so no, it's, it's the problem is when um, things aren't going so well, that's when these divisions open up. I think if you look way back into Columbia's history, and also its topography, that Colombia isn't the only country in South America that has the Andes, but it is the only country where the Andes split into three. So a lot of these cities have lived in pockets for many, many years, for decades, where they've not had a lot of interaction. And with all the problems um, that came later, um, with, I mean, Columbia's been bathed in violence and, um, and blood for, ever since its independence, as soon as things start going badly, then these yeah these these wounds um, become quite evident. Um, so yeah, it, it's almost impossible even for me having spent ten years here. It's almost impossible to understand the emotional psychological um, framework of of this game of going into it after those horrible horrible years of the nineteen eighties. Where nearly every single team in the Colombian league were uh, involved in drugs. There were there's probably one or two that weren't, but on um, the big three cases are Atletico Nacional with Pablo Escobar, um, America de Cali, who in 1979 hadn't won anything, then suddenly became the biggest or one of the biggest con- uh, teams on the continent uh, with the Cali Cartel, and they become quite important in the, in this story. Um, and then there's Millonarios who um, Gacha who was um, a Colombian associate of um, of Pablo Escobar, who then went on his own path. So all the three big teams were involved in in, in drugs. But by this time, 1993, um, Pablo Escobar is on his final legs. He knows it. The game's up. Uh, his brothers handed himself in. Quite a few of his key associates and his assassins have handed themselves in. He's in hiding. Um, but this is the end of the chapter of where Bombs going off left, right and centre. You, you didn't even really feel safe uh, going out in the street. Even today, when I go out in the street and I just ask someone in the street, can you, can you give me the time? They'll turn the back and walk away. And the explanation I always get is that not security, you can't trust people. So it's, it's it's really hard to come to terms with that. So the football, this... And, and also the Colombia's international reputation. And for many, many people, you just think of bombs and the FARC, the guerrilla group, um, and drugs and Pablo Escobar, Um, When I was in Russia last year, uh, two years ago at the World Cup, so many Russians would come up to me and say, Paolo Escobar Narcos is the only way they knew how to sort of build that bridge. But they didn't really know that for Colombians. They're very, very sensitive to this. Mm, And mm. so they've been sort of ostracised from the international community. And for once, for the first time in many, many years, their football team was shedding a positive light on the country. So it's quite easy to understand how Colombia would get carried away with this. And that's exactly what happens after this 5-0. They invest so much emotion in this roller coaster, and thinking that, well, this is showing Colombia as it should be. Um, This beautiful country full of passion and loves football and and can play. For once, they can play. And they're not um, subservient to Argentina for their identity.
0: Definitely. All right, let's have a quick break and then we'll talk about the match itself. See you in a moment, everybody. Welcome back to the Greatest Games on the Blizzard. Right. Let's talk about the match itself then. So, um, I suppose a little bit of a prelude to the match. I mean, Argentina, uh, of course, one of the dominant forces in South American football and and, and still are, they... The, the going into the match Colombia were top of the qualifying group having won three drawn two Argentina was second one point behind uh, Colombia the qualifying was slightly different to, to what it is now now obviously it's one big group back then it wasn't now it's important to say I think that Argentina had won the 90 so the world Cup final in 1990 91 they won the copper america 93 they won the copper America and quite incredibly, just as a little side note, the last time they won the tournament as well. Um, but anyway, they were Copper America champions going into this game, and they'd beaten Colombia in the semi-final, which is also significant. Which was a rather spicy
2: affair. Be- beat them I on penalties, understand. so they yeah. draw, but then beat them on penalties. But then, yeah, that, yeah, that sets up, or it's, I guess it confirms the. I was going to say the prejudice that other people in South America have about Argentina. It's not. I guess is this the prejudice? If it's true, there is definitely <laughs> kind of. Um, a, an arrogance about Argentinian football that they sort of think, you know, you know we are the leaders and you, and you follow us. And, you know, the fact that people like Zubaldia and Bilado have, have, have gone to Colombia and been successful, that in the, in the Argentinian mind sort of just confirms, well, yes, of course, you know, we, we are the best and we, we, you know, we help out our brethren, but, you know, they don't really bother us. And so when they lose to Colombia in, in Barranquilla, in, 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 in the qualifiers. To begin with, it's their first defeat in 33 games. But also, I just Since think... the they, World
1: Cup it, final, was
2: it? Since the World Cup final, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they And they they sort of sleepwalk into that. I just sort of, sort of think they'd would gone to Paraguay and gone to Peru and won those two games. And they sort of thought, yeah, we're there. And there, there was a real complacency about Argentinian football. And I think they hadn't appreciated just how good Columbia were. And they, they go into that game and, and suddenly... Yeah, get get beaten quite convincingly, uh, and they never quite recovered from from, from that in, in this qualifying campaign. That they 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 beat Peru at home, but they only drew at home against Paraguay, which is what you know means that, that they they need to win whereas Colombia and they need a draw.
0: Yeah, and Argentina themselves, you know, going into the game that is the focus today. That I mean, they hadn't been beaten at home for six years. They never conceded five goals or more, and they never lost at home in a World Cup qualifier. You know, I mean, it was
2: well they conceded six and fifty-eight World Cup to Czechoslovakia.
0: But they sorry, you know. uh, sorry, forgive me. Yeah, so you know, in 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 World Cup qualifying, I mean, it was a rare thing for for a side like Argentina to concede that amount of goals. Their record was very very good in qualifying. Of course, they fancied themselves very much, and they. I mean, it's, it's it is fair to say that they have an air of arrogance about them. And we know, you know, it takes one to know one. We're England <laughs> fans. So well, it's so <laughs> the, the great Maradona moment.
2: Uh, I think it's the day before the game. He's on TV and he, he sort of says, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't change history. Argentina is here. Colombia is here. Yeah. And yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah,
0: that, of course, then really, becomes really sort of famous. notorious. Indeed. Uh-huh, yeah. But, but, but Carl, Colombia hadn't started particularly well uh, in this qualifying campaign. They, 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 Drawn at home to an unfancied Peru side, Tino Asprilla missing a penalty, and then um, they, they they took a little while to get going. And obviously they beat Argentina, as Jonathan says. But if, if we can for a moment focus on on the great uh, Faustino Asprilla, <laughs> I mean, again, I'm I'm sort of juggling a few things. I'm desperately wanting to talk about the game, but I, I just want to give a bit of a prelude because in that five nil game, he looks like the greatest centre forward of all time. But but before the game. It wasn't all plain sailing, was it? I mean, the archetypal party boy, there was a lot of stories around there. And after the game against Argentina, when they'd won 2 0, he'd gone out and, and got drunk and, and he was thrown out the squad. Is that right? That's
1: right. Um, but that was, it was mainly because he'd been dropped for that game against Argentina. Mm-hmm. And in typical Tino style, he <laughs> went off in a sulk and the following morning disappeared and mm-hmm. did a runner. Uh, but there's a yeah, there's a, there's a prelude to this, and that's at the 1993 Copa America, where he's picked for the squad, and that tournament's held in in Ecuador. But he only turns up uh, just after the quarterfinal match because he decided that he would go to a uh, Caribbean island with yeah. uh, one of his female friends and turns yeah. up at the airport without a ticket and the, and the flight's full, <laughs> so there's a, a huge scandal where he said, I'm getting on this flight. And he turns up for the quarter uh, for the semi final. He starts the semi final, and that's where you can start to see that while the drug aspect um, and the narcos are important in this, there are other factors, and the unity within the squad isn't as what many may believe. Because um, I mean, Tren Valencia, who was at Bayern Munich at the time, he does an interview after that Copa America, um, and he says, Look, I'm going to start today. It was a friendly against the United States. It's uh, in preparation for the World Cup qualifiers but as soon as Tino arrives I know he's going to go straight in the team and so there was Maturana always saw him as he's a good kid you've just got to look after him um, that he had special treatment so yeah he he does a runner from the the, the Columbia squad after that game in a sulk and the Columbia pre, um, FA president says he's not wearing uh, the Columbia shirt ever again but two days later he backtracks on that and um, yeah, things aren't going too well um, in, in qualifying, but they still clearly got a really good team. And, but I, I think Colombia go into the um, the game against Argentina playing for the draw, um, and there are a lot of um, talk. There's a lot of talk here that it's or the more defensive-minded coach, who sets out the tactics, and I think Tina play, almost plays on the right wing in a four-five-one. Um and it's it's more that they're gonna soak up the pressure um in the early and there's a lot of yeah the Argentinian press are nervous um they compare PA um, and to um Adolfo Bedanera, who was one of the greatest um so this is really uh, the they're the talking of him as one of the greatest comparing to one of the greatest argentine players of all time um, they're talking about how, how worried they are about this, uh, how slow their two central defenders are against Tino's speed and he rips past some players at times in that game um, and I think there's one quote where he says that um, yeah they're going to have to wear ice skates to keep up with Tino um, and to, just to mention <laughs> the, the arrogance in um Colombia, Colombia's most famous commentator, in his preview to the game, he's just about to, uh, to, to, to kick, just about to kick off, and he says, "Argentinians think be after God come them. It's not the saints or the angels; it's the Argentinians. But today we're going <laughs> to shut we're going to m- m- shut up um, at Maradona's big mouth because these petulant uh, <laughs> um, guys we're we're, we're going to show him who really plays fo- football. So I think mm. already Colombia." Comes a feeding into this idea that um, this is time to give Argentina a, a, a slap in the face. But I kind of think that's
2: where Espria is so important in the squad. So there's the the incident after the after the semi final of the Copa America when uh, Redondo is having a go at the Colombian fullback and sort of saying, I earn so much more than, than you. And then Espria sort of goes, Yeah, but I earn a lot more than you. <laughs> and Redondo goes, Yeah, but you're not as pretty as me. And then, you know, they get to the airport and, and they're, they're in the bus and there's Argentinian fans hanging on the window. And Espriar's response is to get some dollar bills out of his pocket and start fanning himself with them. So that, and you know, on, on the-, the, of the game... He loved it. He gets out his fancy European mobile phone. <laughs> he goes over to the hardcore Argentinian support and holds up two fingers to say, I'm going to score two goals today, which of course he does. So... But he loved it though, Jonathan. That, he, he, I think I, he probably I, I, wanted that. Yeah, and, but I, I can see I can see both sides of it, I can see how Espriar is massively disruptive. But on the other hand, when you're in that kind of environment, to host somebody who does not care must be brilliant. And just on the subject of a Esprit, and I don't want to just plug Blizzard pieces all the time, but the photo essay we did when we sent a photographer to spend a weekend at his ranch is one of the best things we've ever done. That is extraordinary what he gets up to. (laughs) Dressing as a dinosaur riding a horse is only part of it.
1: Yeah, I once went to his ranch and it was a Sunday morning nine o'clock we arrived and we walked into his living room and he he, he says, um, OK, I would like to present you to my, um, my wife number one, wife number two and wife number three. And we started doing the interview. And wife number two isn't wearing a bra and she's uh, <laughs> quite, quite uh, <laughs> flaunting her, her asses. And Tino's just staring at their entire time. We just have to keep stopping the interview and say, Tino, can, can you concentrate and look at the camera? <laughs> that, that's the way he is. He's so uh, unpredictable and such a, a vital part in that team. But as things turn out later, he's also mm. a massive disruption, like you say. And, um, yeah, he ends up having fights with the uh, physical fights with the uh, with the Colombian press and within his own team. And there's a clip that starts between Pepe and between Tino, and between the two they have yeah that uh, certain uh, members mm-hmm. of the squad who are following them. And this yeah break in uh, squad unity becomes really important in <laughs> the disaster that was the World Cup the following year. Yeah, I
0: mean, but it's it's classic Colombian stuff, as you say. Kind of, you got all this turmoil going on, but you do have these incredible moments, and this game was undoubtedly one of them. Um, so yes, you have, uh, you know, the Colombian players, as you say, Jonathan, being attacked at the airport and then outside the the stadium as well. Um, but we get to the game itself, and 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 the game kicks off, and you know we we have to wait. Um, a bit of time, 41 minutes until the first goal, but there's there is some sort of back and forth before then, John.
2: I think I mean I think Argentina probably after sort of thirty-five, forty minutes, are thinking, yeah, hmm. we're okay here. We're getting we're getting chances and yeah and, you know, probably we'll we will nick one. You don't and think then, it's gonna be five 0 <laughs> And and then four months for half time. Four months for half time, Valderrama ah. gets the ball, lovely little ball outside for Rincon, mm. runs on hey, and, but- kind of goal that people just don't score these days. No,
0: yeah,
2: you know, little drop of the shoulder, send the keeper one way, go the other, pop, pop it in the empty net. Thanks very much. But he roasts
0: the defender. Rincon. Oh,
2: completely. I mean, yeah, the um, so it's, it's a little it shimmy as it? well. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. Uh, is it Borelli? No, it it must be ruggeri goes past. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, I mean those two centre backs, Borelli and Ruggieri, is so slow. You know, it's kind of yeah, Esprio mm-hmm. and, and Rincon and and Valencia have got the beating of the pace all the time.
0: Yeah. Carl, what, so, talking to people, Colombian football fans, not, not the manager or the players, but the fans themselves who watched the game and witnessed it and so on. How, what was the feeling with them before the game? Were they confident going into this one?
1: Yeah, but I think that they would have settled for the draw knowing okay. how Argentina were, mm-hmm. were seen in Colombia. I mean, in, at this period, most thinking Colombian fans, football fans, wouldn't obviously the the blizzard didn't exist so they had to uh, turn to el grafico (laughs) so that that, all the football um, cultural identity was forged from or was stolen from argentina so Mm. i i think that despite beating them in in barranquilla a few days before because all these qualifiers are played in a short period of time it's not like now where it's it's dragged out over a couple of years Um, Mm -hmm. so they knew that they had a good team but still this was Argentina and um, up until um, 1987 they hadn't ever beaten Argentina so to nobody in their wildest dreams would have imagined this result and that's why still to this day every 5th of September they replay this game on Colombian TV and the players have to do the same interviews over and over again and Jonathan mentioned a few of the the stories, and I think I start to suspect that a lot of these stories have spun out of control now, and there are so many myths <laughs> that go along with it. That um, yeah, we'll we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, in that first half, I think Colombia touched the ball once in the first 20, in, in the box once in the first uh, twenty minutes, and clearly um, they're always looking to give PB the, the, the Valderrama the ball. Uh, but he's suffocated and the first time he does mm. break through, he plays that beautiful ball through and, and Colombia score. Um, but it's probably the second goal that's the most important because that really means that Argentina throw everything at Colombia and they leave. Mm. As John said, those two central defenders get ripped apart and yeah, they, they didn't really have any choice because the situation was that if Paraguay had beaten... Peru then Argentina wouldn't have even qualified for the playoff against Australia they would have been dumped out um, so and Peru were winning two 0 um, Paraguay pulled it back to two all they just needed one more goal to dump uh, Argentina out. Um, you don't know how how much information the players have got especially back then but certainly it was a possibility when you' getting thumped five nil.
0: Yeah, absolutely yeah. I mean and also you mentioned about you know Valderrama being star for I mean, this Argentina side if people are wondering was it we can say we got Diego Simeone and Fernando Redondo in there for crying out loud you know batter Yeah, that's the center of the field yeah. yeah Simeone so, and Redondo, you take that. It's not too shabby. So one at half time you mentioned 2-1 I mean the, the, how Argentina when the ball gets sort of knocked into the box for the second goal and Espria takes it down and then with those you know, with those kind of long legs of his, you know, easy going one way there. That sort of shimmy, he's so good at that. Again, not past the defender and, and slots home. You think, oh, how on earth did they leave the defender one-on-one with, with Asprey? But, um, but two it's mil- a really good
2: pass, to be fair. It, it is, to, yeah. To rink I mean, you know, he's around about halfway line and he mm. hits a, I mean, to call it a long diagonal makes True. you think of, of Big Sam and it's, it's a bit unfair. <laughs> it's it's a really good sort of 40, 45-yard pass. But then, yeah, it's pretty a skill to to beat Borelli. because the when you see it initially from the you know the sort of normal main camera, mm-hmm. you sort of think oh he's just cut inside and Borelli sort of let him go a bit easily, but then you actually see it from behind the goal and you see the the, the swerve of the hips and you understand. I mean, yeah,
0: Borelli can't touch him for pace, but he gets some for the skill there as well. Mm-hmm. And and Argentina just like start coming forward, and we should mention Oscar. Cordoba in goal for Colombia. Who had a good game. It can be sometimes forgotten that they did keep a clean sheet, and he was and he was decent. I mean, Carl, I might be missing something obvious here, but you know, he was in goal. Where was Rene Higuita at this time? We're we talking Colombian football in the 90s. I've got to ask about Rene Higuita. Was he in the in the side on the squad? He was in jail. Yeah. Okay. I knew there would be something. Yeah, so. it was, something <laughs> wouldn't be quite straightforward here. I was thinking, where, where was old Rene in this? He's got...
1: yeah, so he was in the slumbers. So, a couple of months beforehand, he'd offered himself to um, one of the well, right. narco um, bosses yeah. to mediate in the handover um, in a kidnapping case. It was the daughter yeah. of a narco. Um, now, that in itself was slightly weird, but the fact that he, he was paid by the narco um, to, for his services landed mm. him in jail. And, um, so, and, and afterwards, he, the, in the changing room, um, when they're celebrating the 5-0, they start chanting his name, and um, the following day, when they get back to Bogota, they personally ask the president, pibe goes up to the president and says, please release him. And before the World Cup, he has been released by this time, but the president um, rings Maturana and says, no, don't pick um, Renny Higuita, it would be really bad for our country's reputation. So, um, yeah, he was definitely part of that group, but for obvious for any reasons he he wasn't
2: um, I mean Cordoba was a really good keeper I mean yeah he was was
1: (laughs) young at that point he was quite young 22 23 Um, and here in Colombia it's weird because a lot of people say, no, he was man of the match. He was brilliant in the first half. He, he didn't do, actually do very much at all in the first half. But there's a period of about mm. 15, 20 minutes at the start of the second half where he pulls off some really, really good saves. And you can see that he isn't... And We were talking beforehand of how Colombia had looked at that Dutch team. And what's he called? Jogblot? I don't know how you pronounce that. Goal, the Dutch Cup, Yeah, yeah, yeah Joogblood. And how he could play with his, his feet. One of the first goalkeepers who did it quite well. Um, and Higuita obviously did really, really well and there were some famous cases where he messed up like against Cameroon but also Cordoba is is nowhere near as good as him but he does come off his line quite a few times there's one point where there's about 8 people in the, in the box and the cross comes in but the cross is to the edge of the box and he comes flying out to, to, to collect it and he's in the middle of nowhere but yeah, he was fundamental in that really t- difficult moment that if Argentina mm-hmm. get a goal back at 2-0 yeah. then they could... Um, you could see them, the momentum taking and um, changing the, the course of the game. But he he made some really good saves and Colombia just play a really um, mm. intelligent game, just waiting, just waiting. Because he, he goes
2: face on and he's part of Bianchi's great Bocca side of the end of a decade that, that ends up beating mm. Real Madrid in the in the continental final in two thousand.
1: Yeah. yeah, he's seen as a hero there. Yeah, and then he, he moves to, um, he yeah he's 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 still seen as possibly the greatest goalkeeper, Colombian goalkeeper of all time, mm. alongside Higuita.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, definitely worthy to mention him in, 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 in this game. Absolutely. Um, so you have uh, Columbia score, you know, shortly before halftime, shortly after half time. But then from 49 minutes to, to 72 minutes, there's there's a little bit of a gap where, as we say, Cordoba's sort of the main man, really. And then on 72 minutes, uh, Rincon really kind of finishes the game off. The celebrations would suggest as well. I mean, three, I mean, it's a, it's a funny one because when it goes to 3 0, obviously, I've only got hindsight here watching highlights and so on, but it, it reminded me almost, <laughs> if you'll indulge me for a brief moment, everybody, when uh, England go 3 1 up away to Germany. It's exactly that.
2: I thought that as well. It's exactly yeah. the same thing. Okay. It's, it's a home team thinking, what on earth's going on here? We better yeah.
0: attack us, it's embarrassing. But their defenders are so slow that every time yeah. they do that, they just get caught on the break again. But from a fan point of view, I remember watching that game. Obviously, England hadn't beaten Germany for years. And I thought to myself, I don't want England just to win by two goal, one or two goals. I want them to hammer them. That third goal for England, to me, was like, right, get those floodgates open. Come on. And it felt like that, watching the highlights, uh, that when, when Rincon scores that third goal. It, it felt like that for me a bit.
2: But it's only two minutes later when Esprit gets yeah, well, the best goal of the night, uh, does. where he dispossesses Borelli and runs the oh. box it's the most beautiful
0: <laughs> thing it it's It's like in slow
1: motion isn't it it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's beautiful Yeah. and, and he's assist for the the last goal as well is mm-hmm. amazing but there, there is another I don't know if it's it's true or not but certainly a story that all the players tell that um, it's before the fifth goal that Simeone um, bashes um, El Tren Valencia's lip bursts his lip open and um, calls him huh, yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately Barabas Goma, Gomez who's the the younger young brother of Bolillo Gomez runs over to the referee and says to the referee don't send him off because if the, you send him off they're just going to say that we, we lost 5-0 because we were down to 10 men and apparently the Uruguayan referee turns around to Barabas and says alright I won't send him off but score another goal against these sons of a bitches so
0: <laughs> oh, um, who knows
1: what, what the truth is but that, <laughs> can that an, be an, true? another <laughs> yeah, South it America, sound suppose, like it? <laughs> But all, all the players t- tell this story. So, um, And there's <laughs> another story from the first half that we missed of a plane almost crashing into the stadium. And there is a photo in, I think it's El Grafico, of this plane coming within meters of the stadium because the pilot knows that this game's go- going on and decides to give his passengers a, a quick look. Hey, look, look over the left-hand side. You'll see that when you're playing Argentina now. But goes very, very, very close to causing one of the greatest
0: <laughs> And the pilot <laughs> got <laughs> sacked. <laughs> I mean, we know this definitely happened because A, as yeah. photo
2: would B, the pilot got sacked a couple of days later. That story I mean, definitely is true, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it's why we love South American football and South America in uh-huh. general because it's very different to Europe. It was um, worth like, the risk. It, well, why not, eh? They got away with it, didn't they? But yeah, so, I mean, Asprey, as you say, scores that fantastic fourth goal. And then the fifth goes in. I mean, it's just before the fifth goes in, actually, there's a moment where they bring out a few tricks, the Colombians. I think the ball is kind of knocked to Valderrama in the centre of the pitch. And he does this lovely little back. Yard, and it, they're taking the piss. They are. It's a the
1: humiliation then, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I think that's the first time that Colombia shot. Show the type of football that they played in 1990 Mm. against that game Mm. against um, West Germany where they spend the entire game just passing it around um, without seemingly wanting to score until they really Mm. need to. Um, And that last um, period is when they really start to enjoy themselves. Because I was looking at statistics of this before, and there are 57 fouls in, in this entire game, which is, in the first half, there were over 30. So I, I, they weren't able to play that football until yeah. Argentina really had given up the, um, the goal. So, um, yeah, the, I think it, it couldn't have been more perfect that they got all these, <laughs> these things crammed into one game and yeah, then like el grafico awesome.
2: which which as you say has, has a huge reach over the continent you know, although low it was buenos aires based I and mean, it's sadly defunct now but it's it sort of it, it is the magazine for south america and its front page is just black with the word Beguenza, shame mm. mm-hmm. and and i, I mean uh, yeah i mean but, I, imagine but, imagine being an england fan as you are marcus I'm seeing. I don't Aren't know, we all in this? call? Uh, kicker <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, with whatever the German word for shame is, chada, chada on the
0: on the front. I'd be very happy to see it personally. But um, tell I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I bet they were. I bet they were. Uh, Basile, the Argentine Argentina coach, said, "I never want to think about that match again. It was a crime against nature." I don't know what he means there. A day I wanted to dig a hole in the ground and bury myself in it. I mean, my goodness. We know that they can be um, that that emotions can be heightened in football, especially in that part of the world. But I mean the fallout from the It's interesting Yeah, it's
1: interesting that after the fourth goal goes in, um, the Bolillo turns to Maturana and you think that they'd just be going wild, but he turns Mm. to him and says, Ahora sí nos jodimos and that means, right, now we're fucked. Everybody's Mm. gonna Demand yeah. that we win the World Cup. And it's a moment that, um, a rare moment of, yeah, Colombia realising, him alone really realising what Colombia have got themselves into. And it's, it's quite prophetic. Um, there's a really famous book by Gabriel Garcia Marquez called Chronicle of the Death Foretold. And I think that one line, at that point in the game, is very similar of this disaster that everybody knows really deep down is going to happen, but um, nobody can stop it. But and it's a funny game,
0: one. Yeah, sorry, Carl.
1: It, no, after the game, it does really, almost immediately spirals out of control. I, I,
0: I, yeah, it's such, a, it's such a funny one, isn't it? Because, again, as, as a, you know, if you were a Columbia fan, you know, in hindsight, you might be able to see that. You might be able to think, do you know what, actually, if we'd have won 2-0, or by the odd goal, or even a draw, because they were top of the group, you know, you think to yourself, okay, it would have been calmed down. But then, uh, 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 in another kind of way of thinking of it, had they have won 2-0, they, I don't think they would have won the World Cup in 94. They might have gone down there slightly better or something.
2: But it might but, have been quite the disaster that it was. And disaster, possibly. Overuse in football, it's not, it's not overused here. It hmm. was a disaster. In the very... I,
0: it, well, I know what you mean, Jonathan, but... But that game's played every year, you know, what a memory to have. And football is about these memories. Sure, I, know. I mean, in terms of having the memory, I'm sure they would rather have it, but the consequences
2: mm. were were tragic. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 100 people died that night in in Colombia. A thousand were, were injured in yeah the celebrations, in Colombia alone. Um, so I, because it was Argentina, and, and it's, it's almost impossible to understand how for 10, 15 years, as Colombia started to build this reputation for being a decent football nation. Whenever they played in Colombia, the Argentinians would spit at them, they would call them drug dealers, and suddenly here's you getting one over with them. Um, so yeah, it's, it is sort of understandable how they got carried away with this, but there was nobody there to put the brakes on mm-hmm. and say, steady on, lads. And it's not just that psychologically that players got carried away and they clearly did. It was everything. It was how everybody wanted... Um, especially, not not, not just the, the, the drug dealers, the big cartels, but also business interests. I mean, Colombia, after this game, um, between January um, uh, 1994 and the World Cup in June 1994, played 22 friendlies, um, which is just an extraordinary amount of game. And the players didn't want to play them, but because the federation had signed a deal with the big brewery, Bavaria, here, they needed, everybody wanted to have a piece of the action. They all wanted to make their... The, the coin. And even when Colombia were the, third, the last country to arrive at the World Cup and they arrived with, with fans who uh, you could buy a special ticket to travel with the team to the World Cup, the preparation was an absolute disaster. If there was a manual for how to prepare for a World Cup, Colombia um, broke every single rule. And yeah.
2: then they, they lose to Romania in the first game. And then the famous game in the US when Andres Escobar yeah. scores the own goal and yeah, is subsequently.
0: Murders. Yeah, yeah, a, gr- a great shame. But in terms of the context of this match, uh, Carl, an absolutely fascinating story. Never, a, never a dull moment when when we're talking about Colombian football. Thank you very much for for coming on the podcast and talking to us about this. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. For more stories like that, do check out theblizzard.co.uk. But Carl, thank you very much indeed for coming on.
1: No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. to
0: uh, Jonathan, a pleasure as always. Uh, Cheers, thank you. We're back, of course, next week with another game uh, from the history of football. We shall see you then. Ta-ta.